0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our sermon series based on the life of Elijah. Now, we started this sermon series with the idea that we would be giving life advice to our graduates, but what we found out when we were studying the scripture, believe it or not, is that it has life advice not only for our graduates, but for us as well. Today as we look at uh, the next step in our sermon series, uh, beginning in 1 Kings chapter 18, we'll see that there is some life advice given on how to have a successful life, how to become a valedictorian of life, how to graduate into God's blessing. And we see in 1 Kings, chapter 18, three life events that every person is given. We are all given a choice. We are all given a sign, and we are all given judgment. Three life events that everyone will have to face and make a decision about. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, chapter 18, we will start seeing the choice, the sign, and the judgment that Elijah got to experience and the people around Elijah got to experience. Number one, every person is going to be given a choice in this life. In the story of Elijah, where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah in chapter 17 had gone to King Ahab. And King Ahab was worshiping the false god Baal, the god of thunder and lightning and rain and fertility. And Elijah showed up and said, you're worshiping a false god. You're worshiping an impotent, puny god that cannot give rain and cannot give lightning. And so Elijah said, here's what God says. Yahweh, the true God who lives, says there won't be rain on the land for three years. When we turn the page in our Bibles to chapter 18, when we go to 1 Kings 17 where where Elijah says there's not going to be rain for three years, and we turn the page to chapter 18, the three years have passed. There hasn't been any rain or dew in the land for three years. The crops have died. There's this huge drought. Even the um, grass that they're going to use to feed the animals is starting to, to all be gone. And I don't know what you do in that situation except kill your animals and have a barbecue because everything is doomed. See, Ahab, the king of Israel, was given a choice. Would he turn back away from the Baals and worship the true God, Yahweh? Or would he continue on to his life that is going to mean death? We're given the same choice. This is the same choice Adam and Eve had way back in Genesis chapter 2. Remember the story of Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were created by God and they were created to be God's representatives on earth. His icons, His um, image bearers, everywhere they went they were to present God everywhere. They were supposed to rule over the animals, they were supposed to populate the earth, and everywhere they were supposed to be the takers of God's presence, reflecting God's presence, everywhere they went. And they were given a choice too. Remember their choice? They had this choice between life and death. Trusting God or death? God says in Genesis chapter 2, if you want to turn over in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, here's how God explained it. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Adam and Eve were given this choice. Would they trust God to determine what was good and evil? Would they trust God to determine what was right and wrong? Or would they take matters into their own hands, saying, in effect, they didn't trust God enough to do it, and they wanted to do it themselves. That rebellion and sin led to their death. God gave them a choice. Choose life or choose death. When God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, and he uh, brought them out, and he had sent the ten plagues, he had brought them out through the parted Red Sea. They had gone in the wilderness and received the Ten Commandments, all the law of the Lord. Uh, Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, speaking for God, he said, Today you have been given this choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. The choice was, would they obey God and trust Him, or would they worship the false gods in the new promised land that they were going to go into. When they entered in the promised land, there were already people living there. There were already people worshiping false gods there. And the Israelites were going to be given a choice. Would they continue to trust God and obey him and the laws that he had given? Or would they turn their lives over to these false gods, the Baals and the gods of the Canaanites and Amorites? In Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, this is how Moses puts it. He says, This day I call the heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Well, the Israelites went into the promised land and they had their ups and downs. And a lot of times they ended up worshiping the false gods. Joshua, as he was bringing them into the promised land, the new leader in Moses' place, he gave this choice again to the Israelites. Will you worship the gods of this land, the false gods? These small spiritual powers, these puny gods, or would you worship the real God? Here's how he says it in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves to stay whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the same choice that Ahab has been facing the last three years He can clearly see the drought is caused by the word of the Lord. He can clearly see that all his people are going to die. He can clearly see that all the crops have died and now the animals are getting ready to die too. What would he decide? He had a choice between life and death. Repent, which means turn. Turn from the Baals and turn back to God or die. Here we have uh, this story in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. God tells Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And we see whether Ahab has repented and turned to God, or we see whether he's continuing on his own way of death. Verse 5 of chapter 18, Ahab said to Obadiah, his chief official, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill our animals. Ahab's still trying to do it on his own power. He's still trying to do life his own way. This is the sin of Adam and Eve. This is the sin of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. This is the sin of the Israelites when they were in the promised land. There's this globe created in 1504. It's called the Da Vinci Globe. Most Some scholars think That when Da Vinci heard of Columbus discovering the new world, America, the new land, he created this new globe to show the new land America and the old world Europe and and Asia and all this. And on this globe, he writes in warnings about where people should not go. Uninhabitable, dangerous, unknown lands that will certainly kill you. And in that globe, written in Latin, is the phrase, here be dragons. It's a warning to anybody traveling over this globe. There are certain places that you don't want to go that will be death for you if you go there. We're faced with that same choice today. We're faced with the choice between life and death. And God has given us such clear warnings on the choice that we have to make. If we choose Him, the road may, difficult, may be difficult the road may be hard, but we will experience life and blessings. But if we turn away from him, we are assured of death. This is the choice that was presented to Abra- to Ahab. This was the choice that was presented to the Israelites. This was the choice that was given to Adam and Eve. This is our choice today. What will you choose? Will you choose to worship God or will you choose death? Jesus gives us that choice in Luke chapter 9. Now, he doesn't say it's going to be easy. He doesn't say that the circumstances of your life are not going to still be difficult to endure. But what he promises us, if we choose him, is that he will be with us, he will bless us, and he will guarantee us eternal life. Here's how he says it. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives us the same choice Ahab had, the same choice the Israelites had, Same choice Adam and Eve had. Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father, and of the holy angels. Jesus gives us a choice, and he makes the warning so clear. The choice is, do we keep going with our own life, choosing our own way, making up our own rules for what is right and wrong, or do we give all that up and choose the Jesus way? Jesus says, it seems like it's a paradox. If we choose our own way, we will experience death. But if we give up our life, that's when we will experience true life. Life to the full. But it means we have to choose Christ. Which way will you choose? We are all faced with this choice in our life, but the call now and the choice now is urgent. Jesus never says wait to choose. He says choose now. The longer, the longer you go off, you, the longer you put off making this choice and the longer you go the w- your own way the more difficult it will be for you to turn and choose Jesus we're all given a choice but we're also all given a sign in the old testament god would often show up with a sign of fire so when solomon cre- built the temple for god god blessed it and made everyone aware of his presence by sending Fire. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, when the temple was built, uh, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Way back in Leviticus, when God was setting up the tabernacle and they were going to learn how to worship him, God sent fire out of the tabernacle to consume the, the uh, sacrifice. He was showing them a sign so that their hearts would turn to him. He was giving them a sign, the people, his own people a sign, so that they would know he was the true God. This is the sign that God gave Elijah and all the people of Israel when he had a contest between the prophets of Baal and God, Yahweh, and his prophet named Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, Ahab, you need to turn back to God and Ahab says no no you're the troublemaker. And Elijah tells him no Ahab it's your choices that have brought the trouble on you. You need to turn back to God. Ahab wouldn't do it. So Elijah says, "Okay, let's have a contest. You get all your prophets of Baal and you set up one altar. I'll get a prophet, I'll be the prophet for God. One against your 450, and I'll set up a altar to the true God, Yahweh. And we'll have a contest. Whichever God sends fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice is the true God. Listen to this in, in um, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal is 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Ahab had gathered up all of Israel to come watch this event. And he had the 400 prophets of Baal on one side and he had Elijah, the lone prophet, on the other. There was going to be a sign given here with fire from heaven on who the real God is. So all the prophets, I I just want to read you the story. It's so fantastic. So fantastic. This is 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. He's kind of making fun of them already. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Now, when you're doing your own evangelistic calling and you're going out to ask people to come to Christ, I don't necessarily recommend mocking them and mocking their beliefs, but in this case, Elijah couldn't help himself. Shout louder, he said, surely Baal is a god, perhaps he's deep in thought, or busy, now that word busy means kind of relieving himself, he's kind of saying maybe he's deep in thought or maybe he's going in the bathroom, or maybe Baal is traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Elijah's making fun of them. But they did. They shouted louder. They even started slashing themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice, about three in the afternoon. But there was no one's response. No one answered. No one paid attention. So there's two things going on here. Either Baal doesn't exist, or he is a puny, false, spiritual being who sets himself up as a god, but really has no power that our Creator God doesn't give him or allow him to make. Either way, Baal is not able to answer. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he prepared the altar of the Lord, which has been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold uh, 24 pounds of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Yahweh. Answer me so these people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Listen to that because that's the key to this whole passage. We can learn a lot from this passage. In fact, I'm teaching three points. There's a choice, there's a sign and judgment. But this is the key you need to walk away with. Yahweh, answer me so that these people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. See, the sign from God is designed to turn our hearts to Him. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord, the fire of Yahweh, fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. That's a powerful sign. It consumed everything. When all the people saw this, they fell to the ground and cried, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. Later, in that same area of the world, God sent another sign, fire from heaven. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus had already risen from the dead and he had ascended into heaven. The disciples were in the upper room and they were praying and they were waiting like Jesus had told them. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit on you and you're going to be my witnesses in all the land. You're going to go with power. And they were in the upper room praying. This is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. See, God sends a sign. He always sends a sign so that we get to make a decision. For the people of Elijah's day, God sent fire from heaven, so that they would be able to decide whether they were going to worship the true God or worship the false God. In the people of Jesus' day, God sent fire from heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit, where it enabled all the disciples, the apostles, to be able to speak in other languages so that they would be able to unite people to God through Jesus Christ. They were able to tell about Jesus in all these other languages. Wouldn't it be incredible if God sent us a sign as well? I'm here to tell you that God has sent us a sign. It's the sign of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, says it this way. What I received I passed on to you as first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the word of the Lord. That's our sign. There is a true event in history that cannot be denied, all the facts weigh in favor that this really happened. Jesus rose from the dead. All the apostles that saw him gave their life for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. All Christians forever afterwards live on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, We want to see a sign from you. They wanted fire from heaven. But Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? Do you know what happened with Jonah? Jonah was swallowed by a fish, and he was in the belly of the fish three days. This is a sign, Jesus says. This is what we should be looking for. Jesus was dead three days. He was in the belly of the earth. Here's what Jesus continues saying in verse 40 of Matthew chapter 12. For as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Listen to Jesus talk about this sign, what it means for us. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus says he is greater. He's greater wisdom than Solomon. He's a greater sign than Jonah. His cross and resurrection is all the sign that we need to make a decision about who we will follow. Whether we will follow the gods of this world or we will follow the one true God. The sign of Jesus' resurrection is sign enough for us to decide whether we will continue to try to go our own way and make our own rules or we will follow God. How long will you wait? What other sign would he have to give you that show you that he loves you? What other sign would he have to give you to show you that he is disgusted by sin so much that he would even send his son to death for your sin and my sin, for your rebellion and my rebellion? What other sign would he have to give you for you to make a decision? He's already given you the sign you need, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our decision we must make, and it's based on maybe the only sign we will ever get. God may not send fire again, but I guarantee you he's given you the sign you need. Jesus rose from the dead. Will you trust that sign? Will you make a decision today? The people in Elijah's time, when they saw the fire sent by God that ate the sacrifice of the bull, that ate the wood the bull was sitting on, that ate the stones the altar was made of, and even burnt up the ground and all the water, when they saw that sign, they fell down to the ground and they started worshiping God. They had turned from their own ways back to God. God's sign had turned their heart. At the sign of the fire of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, when the people saw that sign, when they saw the disciples full of the Holy Spirit, giving the name of Jesus Christ and telling the story of Jesus They were cut to the heart, and they said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, and for all on whom our Lord, our God, will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. When they saw the sign of the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, they turned to God. They repented and were baptized. They entrusted themselves to Jesus. See, God continues to give us a choice to make with a very clear warning to choose life or die. He gives us a sign so that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the way. And he gives a very clear decision time to make. Choose Jesus now. God gives us a choice and he gives us a sign. And finally, everyone will be given judgment. In the story that we're reading from in 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a judgment came for those who rejected God. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 40. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. This is the part of the story they never tell in Sunday school class. When you're growing up and you go to Sunday school class and you get the Elijah story every three years, so you get it at kindergarten and third grade and then in sixth grade, they never tell this part of the story, the judgment part. But there is a judgment that comes. Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Their judgment was death. Now, on a side note, In a theocracy, a government ruled by God with either his (laughs) priests in charge or his kings in charge or his prophets in charge, God can give out judgment, including execution, for those who deserve to be executed. In this theocracy, the prophets of Baal deserved their punishment and they were executed. That was the judgment they deserved and received. We don't live in a theocracy anymore. We live in a democracy. And since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been given a new command on how to treat our enemies. We're not supposed to judge them. Those who are outside of Christ, we don't get to judge them. We are commanded to judge the people in Christ, in the church, because we're supposed to hold each other accountable to this word. We're supposed to do it with gentleness and with firmness. But those outside of Christ, our job is to love them is to offer them the same grace and forgiveness that God gives us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says, I want you to go in love as I have loved you. We're supposed to go sacrificially loving people to bring them into the kingdom. But there is a judgment that we will all face. It's a very similar judgment to these prophets of Baal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 6-11... through 11, God explains what kind of judgment that we will receive. Verse ten says this: First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, five, verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In Hebrews chapter nine, it says people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. We are all going to face judgment someday. All of us on this earth, unless Jesus comes back in the meantime, these bodies will die and we will be put before the judgment seat of Christ. In Revelation, it even talks about this judgment. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There is a judgment coming. Those not in Christ will receive the judgment and payment of hell. Because with the judgment comes a payment. Romans chapter 6 says, The wages of sin is death. When we face judgment, we will either receive our eternal reward, heaven, or we will receive hell. Hell is described by Jesus as a place of burning, a fire that never ceases. If you can imagine, we all receive an immortal body A body that does not wear out, that does not break down, that does not age, and cannot be destroyed. But those who are placed in hell, in their new immortal bodies, will be burned forever. Fire and darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, is how Jesus describes hell. When we teach karate at the Way Karate Dojo, we have belt tests and these are tests of advancement so when as students learn their karate um, and they learn their katas and they learn how to defend themselves and defend others and learn how to make good choices and control their body we give them a test so that they can advance in levels belt levels to show that they are continuing to learn to show that they have taken the responsibility of learning but there's a secret don't let our students know when they come to the test we've already been watching them We've been testing them every week at the dojo. Every week we've been seeing their advancement. And we only send our students to the test we know we are going to advance to the next level. We still call it a test because we want to raise their heart rate and get their adrenaline going because we're trying to teach them how to control their bodies in those stressful situations. But when they show up at the test, we in our minds have already advanced them because we've seen the work they've put in previously. When we stand before judgment, God is going to judge us based on the choices and decisions we made for Jesus Christ in this life. We won't get a second chance. But when we stand before judgment, the decision has already been made. If we chose Christ in this life, we go on to eternal life. If we didn't choose Christ in this life, God is going to judge us and we will receive hell. God gives us, gives everyone judgment but we get to decide what judgment we receive. This is such a beautiful thing. As somebody pointed out to me the other day, if we are in Christ, if Christ is within us, if we have entrusted ourselves to Jesus, if we have believed with our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. If we have repented and been baptized, buried in his death and raised by faith to a new life, we will receive eternal life. If we're connected with Jesus, we get God gives us everything that He gives the Son. Listen to that again. When we are in Jesus, whatever Jesus gets, we get. If Jesus gets blessing and glory, if Jesus gets eternal life, we get blessing and glory and eternal life. If Jesus gets joy, we get joy because we're connected in Him and He is within us. God gives us what Jesus deserves, only if we're in Jesus. This is the judgment we get. When we stand before the throne, if we're in Christ, God gives us the judgment Christ deserves. But this judgment comes with a payment. And if you're not in Christ, you will get what you deserve. And God says, the wages of sin is death. Sin and rebellion. Anytime we've ever chosen our own way, anytime we've rejected his law, anytime we've said we don't trust him to determine what is good and evil, but we're going to make up our own rules about what is good and evil, anytime we have disobeyed, all that payment and judgment would be death and hell. We're all faced with three events in our life. We're given a choice, we're given a sign, and we're given a judgment. The choice comes with a clear warning. The sign comes with a clear decision to make. And the judgment comes with payment. Today, I'm praying that you take the sign that God has given you, the sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and turn your hearts back to the Lord. If you need to make that decision today and you've never made it before, will you fill out a connection card online? Would you let me know that you are deciding to choose Christ today? Fill out the connection form and we'll contact you and we'll tell you what your best next step is. God has given you a choice. He's given you a sign of Christ's resurrection from the dead. And there is going to be a judgment for you. But while today is still today, choose Christ. If you've already chosen Christ, you still have choices to make that honor God. You still have choices to make that help you grow up and mature in Christ. Fill out a connection card and we'll help you take your next best step in Jesus. Tell other peoples, all the people you know, on social media, through your email, through your friends, on Facebook, tell other people about the choice that you have made. Let other people know that you are choosing to follow the Lord. You are choosing for you and your household to choose Christ. You are saving yourself from this corrupt generation and choosing Jesus Christ. Let people know and let us know too. Fill out the connection card and we'll help you take your next best step. But for those of us in Christ, we still have a choice to make, to continue to follow Jesus. And we are still given a sign called communion, the bread and the cup. Would you take out your bread and your cup? Isn't the bread a sign of the body of Christ? Jesus says when we participate in this bread, we are participating in his body. And the cup is a sign of his blood poured out for us in the new covenant. When we participate in the cup, we are participating in His blood. Would you remind yourself of the sign Jesus gave us, His resurrection from the dead, by participating in the bread now? And would you take out your cup? Would you remind yourself that all of your sins are covered... And that Jesus is coming back to take us home to be with him someday because he sacrificially gave his life and his blood was shed for us. Would you participate in the cup? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you have given us that sign of communion to remind us of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross what he accomplished through his resurrection to save us. Lord, we are thankful for the reminder that our judgment, if we are in Christ, will be one of beauty and one of blessing. Thank you for that side of communion that reminds us of those things. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to continue to give you the lessons the Scripture gives so that you can be valedictorian of life. We're going to continue the story of Elijah next week. There's a very little actually written about Elijah, but they are so powerful. And all of Scripture continues to teach us towards salvation. Continue to help us help you. Send in your prayer requests, send in your questions, and send in the decisions you're making so we can help you take your next best step. But until we meet again, God bless you and God keep you, and I hope that you are choosing Christ. We want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend and don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.